Welcome to the lounge. Tonight, tonight is probably going to be my longest, possibly my longest podcast and or YouTube video. And why not? Tonight, I'm going to break down CeeDee Lamb, who has the potential to be the top wide receiver prospect in this class. And I also want to go over my wide receiver model. If you're on Twitter, you may have heard me refer to my model. I want to go over that, explain it, simplify it, talk about the results, and let you make decisions for yourself. But first, it's time to drink. And tonight, I'm going to drink the hottest thing on shelves. No, it's not toilet paper. It's not hand sanitizer. It is Blanton's Single Barrel. I'm going to open it right here for you. Hopefully you're drinking something good tonight, but this is what you're waiting in line for if you're lucky enough to find it. This was bottled on 11 19 93 proof. I'm gonna have to pour myself a, probably a double here. So let's hear this pop sound, the best sound. Why don't you get yourself a drink? Now I mentioned my wide receiver model and I want to dive into that. But before I do, let me preface something, all right? I am not the smartest person in the world. All right, so what that means is there are people smarter than me. In fact, I interact with smarter people than me every single day. And when it comes to fantasy football, I interact with smarter people than me every day, talking about sports, talking about fantasy football, talking about data, talking about film. I want to make sure that's clear. My way is not the end-all be-all. It's simply a tool to help me guide into probabilities. All right. Now, some people with the same data, the same information, they can use it in a total different way and get totally different results. Also, I have not been tracking receivers for 20 years. Okay. My model has data for 20 years, but I haven't been tracking it for 20 years. You know, I've been involved with football at some capacity my entire life. And with everything I do, I'm always trying to get better smarter, become more successful uh, in everything that I do. And that same goes for, for fantasy football, predicting fantasy success. I'm trying to get better every season. Now, I've always been a film guy and I would make rankings based on what I've seen uh, for many years. And then several years ago, I was introduced to analytics and I've been improving this model ever since. So basically I've entered data over the last 20 years easily available online and it helps me identify success based on filtering mes metrics setting thresholds finding patterns okay the model is trying to find a pattern okay in every success there's some type of pattern what analytics does for me is it helps me identify a pattern of success so to start my model has every wide receiver that's entered the NFL over the past 20 years. It logs the year they were drafted, the round, the college they played, their college production, the dominator rating, 
breakout age, market share. It also includes information from the combine and pro day if they didn't attend the combine. Height, weight, BMI, 40 yard dash, hand size, arm length, and other metrics that you might find at the combine or the pro day. So for anyone out there claiming that the combine doesn't help them, the combine doesn't matter, I'm here to tell you that my model would be worthless without those metrics. I could not pull enough information without knowing what type of athlete these wide receivers are. Now, the model has easily identified or discarded prospects over the years, and that's what I'm looking for. Also, main component of the model is draft capital. Once I input draft position, the model really becomes accurate. Now, my model identifies all wide receivers that have had at least one top five fantasy football season, one top 12 fantasy football season, or a top 24 fantasy football season, because that's what we're looking for. We're trying to find the best of the best when it comes to breaking down prospects. Now, again, this is for fantasy football purposes. This is not predicting who's going to be an NFL success and who's not. It's basically predicting fantasy football success. All right. So here's a stat for you. Did you know that in the previous 20 years, there have been 24 different wide receivers to finish in the top five of fantasy football? And what if I told you that 19 of those 24 were all drafted in the first three rounds of the NFL draft? So 80% of the top five fantasy football producers were drafted in either rounds one, two, or three. So I could end the podcast right now, call it a day, tell you just target wide receivers in the top three rounds. But do you know how difficult that's going to be to find a wide receiver in the top three rounds? Because during that same span, there have been over 100 wide receivers taken. If you're looking to find a wide receiver outside the top three rounds and you're expecting him to be elite, you're most likely wasting your time. So if you're trying to find those sleepers, if they don't have the draft capital, most times they're not going to hit. All right. But my model filters out through the hundreds of receivers taken in the top three rounds and it narrows down for success rate. Now of those 19 top five fantasy receivers and drafted rounds one through three, there were five that weren't drafted in the top three rounds. One was Brandon Lloyd, drafted round four in 2003. One was Brandon Marshall, drafted round four, 2006. One was Victor Cruz, an undrafted free agent, 2010. One was Antonio Brown, drafted in round six, 2010. And the other is Tyreek Hill, drafted in round five, 2016. So do you see the pattern? Do you see the pattern of those receivers? Brandon Lloyd, Brandon Marshall, Victor Cruz, Antonio Brown, Tyreek Hill. Two drafted around four, one drafted round five, one drafted round six, and one was an unrestricted free agent. Do you see the pattern? You don't see a pattern because there's no fucking pattern. Who's going to identify those five receivers as a top wide receiver in the class? Nobody. And I, I can't be satisfied with a model that doesn't include Antonio Brown. All right. Those five players, those are one off outliers. Okay. You can do your own research after the draft. Players that have been drafted players that haven't been drafted, right? Dive into their data, their information. Perhaps you can uncover a gem. 
I've created thresholds for wide receivers drafted rounds one, two, and three, and a different set of measurables for wide receivers drafted outside the top three rounds. So the model's gonna look slightly different after the draft. My model's not gonna populate and tell me, all right, this is the order of the best receiver to the worst receiver in the class. But it does give me a cluster of guys that meet the criteria that it takes to be a successful player based on history, based on the past. So before we get into CD Lamb, let's talk about the accuracy of my model. Now I mentioned before that you can select a wide receiver in rounds one through three because 80% are gonna go on to be a top five fantasy football producer. And through my model's threshold and filtering, I've successfully eliminated 80% of the players. I've sifted through the weeds and I've identified what metrics at what thresholds will identify receivers that'll hit top five, top 12, and top 24. But there is one downside to the model. It includes 20% of players that ended up being a bust at the NFL level. And there's no way around that. There's no model that I'm aware of that can eliminate, successfully eliminate players that will bust at the next level. There's too many factors that go into a player being successful or a bust right? We don't measure their heart. We don't measure their head. We don't measure what's going to happen when they get you know, money, when they fall down the wrong path, they start hanging around with the wrong people. You can't identify that through numbers or even game tape. There are factors that you can investigate and find out and maybe identify someone that could have a red flag that you could possibly avoid, but there's no model that I'm aware of that will eliminate every bust because we'll go over my model. You'll see there are players that hit every number across the board. The film looks great. When they get to the NFL, either injuries hold them back. They can't grasp the offense. They're not smart enough. Certain factors that we just can't identify, I can't identify personally to eliminate all the busts. However, my model has eliminated 80% of the busts, but it does include 20%. And that's something that we have to sift through. And that's why I use film to help sift through all the players that it identifies as possible successes. So use data and use film together to create an educated guess, but strictly going by data, players still bust. So here's my success rate. My model has identified 80% of the top five fantasy wide receivers over the last 20 years. It's identified 75% of wide receivers that hit at least one top 12 season. And it's identified 86% of wide receivers that have at least one top 24 season. So while it's not perfect, it does tell me that any wide receiver that hits my model has a really good chance of at least becoming a top 24 wide receiver at least one time in their career. And that can justify their draft capital or give us the direction to pass on them come rookie drafts. Now, when we're done here, we'll look back and we'll see if CeeDee Lamb enters that cluster of players that we think is gonna be a success or that my model thinks is gonna be a success. But here's where data can be limited in my opinion. The numbers show no context. Yes, I can compare numbers to numbers, I can compare breakout ages amongst players. I can compare yardage, receptions, market shares. I can compare all those numbers. But what it doesn't show me, who are they playing against? What is the competition level from each receiver, okay? Is it the same competition? Is it the same game elements? Are there injuries? Do they have the same quarterback throwing them the football? Data doesn't tell me any of that stuff. And because the numbers don't show me that, I'm not confident making a decision solely on the model. The model is just a tool. 
It'll help me identify the data needed to be successful. And then I rely on my experience watching film to possibly find red flags or positives or how that might convert to the NFL level. And it's all still an educated guess. But I watch film and that's why I watch film. So if I don't have you bored enough now, let's talk about CD Lamb, shall we? I'm gonna need some more Blantons. This is a good whiskey, I'll tell you. So CD Lamb was born April 8th, 1999. He weighed in at the combine at six to 198 pounds and he went to high school in Richmond, Texas. Now in our previous episodes, I talk about high school rating, how that affects potential to be an NFL uh, superstar or player. Uh, at the next level, or even making an NFL roster. So he was a four-star ranked athlete, 24th in his class coming out, recruited by many schools, Alabama, Oklahoma. Here are some other four-star athletes in our top 50 right now of dynasty wide receivers. DeAndre Hopkins, who CeeDee Lamb gets a lot of comparisons to, was a four-star athlete, 26th in his class. Odell Beckham Jr. was a four-star athlete, 20th in his class. Amari Cooper and A.J. Brown were also four-star athletes coming out of high school. Once CeeDee Lamb got to Oklahoma, as a true freshman, he started the season at 18 years and four months of age, right? So he turned 18 in April. The season started in August. So that's four months. So 18 years old, four months at the start of the season. Now, he was competing with Hollywood Brown, right? But as a freshman, he finished with 46 catches. 807 yards. And again, I don't include touchdown as others might because to me, touchdowns aren't sticky. So I only go by receptions and yards. How important is that player to the offense? Is he getting a lot of the receptions? Is he turning those receptions into yards? That's what's important to me, not the touchdowns. So as a freshman, 46 catches, 807 yards. It was a 15% market share of the receptions and it was a 16% market share of the yards. And again, Hollywood Brown was on that team. He was the alpha dog when CD was there as a freshman. Hollywood had 57 catches, 1,095 yards, was the leader of that team uh, in receiving categories. Now, as a sophomore, 19 years, four months of age, he finished with 65 catches, 1,158 yards for a 25% market share of receptions and a 26% market share of the yards, which generates his breakout age, right? We're looking for a 20% market share of his receptions and yards. So he generates his, his breakout age at 19 years, four months of age. He was also competing against Hollywood who had 77 catches, 1,318 yards. Two years with Hollywood, two years as the number two wide receiver on the team. Now, we know Hollywood was a first round draft pick in the NFL, a deep threat. This could be why, you know, he wasn't utilized as the alpha dog while Hollywood was there. Now, Hollywood left, goes into the NFL, CD enters his junior season, 20 years, four months of age, hits him with 62 receptions, 1,327 yards for a 26% market share of the receptions, 34% market share of the yards. His main competition his junior year was Charleston Rambo, who finished with 750 yards. Now for his career, Lamb's market share was 21% of the receptions and 25% of the yards, which is a good college career. But I've heard the argument about Jerry Judy versus C.D. Lamb and a lot of the pro C.D. Lamb or, you know, naysayers of Jerry Judy is that Jerry Judy wasn't even the best receiver on his team. And my research has shown that neither was C.D. Lamb. 
CD Lamb finished behind Hollywood Brown two seasons, and then when he had no target competition, he was the number one receiver on his team. Similar to Jerry Judy. As a true freshman, Jerry Judy was second to Calvin Ridley. Judy's sophomore season, even though he did have competition against with NFL talent, he competed with Irv Smith, who's now in the NFL. He competed with Henry Ruggs, who's expected to be a first-round pick. He competed with Devonta Smith, who's expected to be a top-round pick next season. And he still led his team in yards that season, won the Belitnikoff Award for the best receiver in the nation. But yes, as a junior, Judy came in. He was 100 yards shy of Devonta Smith. But claiming that he wasn't the best wide receiver on his team was a terrible argument. But if you want to use that argument, then you have to use the same argument for CeeDee Lamb. So let's dive into CeeDee's film, right? We talked about the data. We talked about his numbers. Let's talk about what I see on film. Now, there's a lot to like on film with CeeDee Lamb. When you watch him, he's a very natural receiver. He's got great hands. Probably his best trait, in my opinion, is his ability to track the football and then high point the football. He's going to be a great red zone threat. He's got good to great acceleration after the catch. He can make players miss. When he has the ball, he plays aggressive. He almost plays like he's like he's mad, which is, is it's a good trait to have. He makes playing the receiver position look effortless. He looks so natural. His feel for the game, his instincts for the game, it's so impressive watching him. But as I'm watching him and as he's making these things look easy, I just wonder about his competition, the Big 12. You know, is he playing against top-level competition? Why is he making five guys miss? Why is he making three guys miss and then taking it, you know, 40 yards down the field? Is it the competition that he's playing against? But as I watch more and more film, to me, I think he's got above-average traits in all the positions that you need to be successful at the next level. I think he's above-average speed. He ended up running a 4-5 at the 40. I think he's got above-average blocking skills. He's got above-average route-running skills. I don't think there's enough negatives to sway me off CeeDee Lamb as a prospect. Is he the top wide receiver in this class, though? That's the debate. Is he going to be a top-five fantasy receiver for the next 5, 10, 15 years? Well, let's look about the negatives that I see on tape. When I watch him and the combines kind of confirm this, I think he's a good athlete. I don't think he's a great athlete. Some other things I know is when he was pressed in man coverage, which wasn't very often, his routes were a bit stiff. He didn't have a lot of creative ways to set up his breaks to create separation. And again, he got a lot of space because of the air raid offense in Oklahoma. But when they did press him, he didn't look as natural. And if that man coverage presents a problem at the NFL level, they might move him to a slot position to avoid the press coverage. And we talked about this with Donovan Peoples-Jones, that to avoid that press coverage, you get moved to the slot position. It's not a bad thing, but I think it's going to limit his fantasy upside, which means he might not become a consistent, true number one fantasy receiver unless he can play outside and run different routes from the outside. Um, now, Lamb also made a name for himself as a big physical wide receiver, but he didn't prove that at the NFL Combine. In fact, he weighed in at 198 pounds. He benched 225 only 11 times. So the question is, are you big and physical against poor competition? 
or are you big and physical in general? And I don't think he's big and physical in general. So I need to go back to the data to find the answers, right? So let's look at some of my models. Let's look at the chart. So I went back and I looked at the three draft classes where CD was in college, 2017, 2018, and last year, 2019, and wanted to identify any defensive players from the Big 12 that were drafted or made an impact at the NFL level, right? There's no Michael Huffs at Texas. There's no Earl Thomases. Do they have those defensive players that dominate games, that can rattle the quarterback, that can shut down wide receivers? Now, what I found was in 2017, there was three players drafted out of the Big 12. Jordan Willis, a defensive end from Kansas State, was drafted in round three. Vincent Taylor, a defensive tackle, out of Oklahoma State, drafted in round six. And Razul Douglas, a cornerback out of West Virginia, was, was drafted in round three. Doesn't seem like any world beaters there. All right. Now, 2018, two players out of the Big 12 were drafted from defense. Dorrance Armstrong was drafted in the fourth round from Kansas. And DJ Reed, a cornerback from Kansas State, was drafted in round five. 2019 draft class last year. LJ Collar, a defensive end from TCU, was drafted first round by Seattle. He's so far been a bust. Houston Texans, Charles Amenahue, defensive end, drafted round five. Chris Boyd, a cornerback out of Texas, drafted round seven. Duke Shelley, a cornerback out of Kansas State, was drafted round six. And Jordan Brailford from defensive end of Oklahoma State was drafted round seven. Now, to me, this doesn't sound like intimidating defensive players that perhaps Oklahoma had to face week in and week out. So it questions, did CeeDee Lamb play tough enough competition to prepare him for the NFL? Or when he gets to the NFL, is it going to be a shock to him, the talent that he has to face on the other side of the field? Another thing that I wanted to look at was, because I had these questions about the Big 12, and the Big 12 to me is known for a conference, a lot of scoring, lack of defense. And if you remember the last time some Big 12 receivers came out that we were enamored over, in love with, was Corey Coleman and Josh Doxson. Now, we all know what happens with those receivers, okay? We might need to temper our expectations just a little bit. So let me filter my model now. I'm going to go all receivers taking in the Big 12 in round one. C.D. Lamb is expected to go in round one. Over the past 20 seasons... These are the receivers taken in round one. Rashawn Woods from Oklahoma State. Roy Williams from Texas. Mark Clayton from Oklahoma. Jeremy Macklin, Missouri. Michael Crabtree, Texas Tech. Dez Bryant, Oklahoma State. Justin Blackman, Oklahoma State. Kendall Wright, Baylor. Tavon Austin, Kevin White, Josh Stockson, Corey Coleman, and then Hollywood Brown. Okay? Of those, only Dez Bryant was a top five fantasy receiver. One receiver from the Big 12 has finished top five. Now, top 12, you've had Jeremy Macklin. You've had Michael Crabtree. Uh, that's it. And then of top 24, you've had Justin Blackman. You've had Kendall Wright. You've had Roy Williams. All right. So it's not a shoe-in based on history that he's going to be a stud. Right now, he's competing with Des Bryant and possibly Roy Williams to be the best wide receiver out of the Big 12 in the last 20 years. Now, can he do it? Sure he can. So when you look at my model, when you go through the filters, these are the receivers that it eliminated that we didn't, it would have advised me not to draft. Mark Clayton, round one. Tavon Austin, 
Kevin White, Josh Doxson, and Corey Coleman. So anyone that drafted any of those players, Roto Lounge wide receiver model said, uh-uh, that's a bad choice. But it did include Rashawn Woods. He was drafted uh, round one, 31st by the 49ers. Just never got off the ground, had some ham- hamstring in- injuries, but his college production was off the charts. I think he was a two-time All-American. When he left school, he had all Big 12 records. I mean, just a complete stud coming out. Now, into the first round, he wasn't good enough to be drafted in the top of the round, but CeeDee Lamb is expected to be in the first half of round one. So it's important that we take notice of that. Is it a mirage? Is he going to be the Roy Williams who was drafted seventh? All right. Is he going to be Michael Crabtree, who was drafted 10th, never had a top five season? Jeremy Macklin was drafted 19th, never had a top five season. Hollywood Brown, we still don't know. All right. Could he be a Kendall Wright, drafted round one, pick 20, was a top 24, never finished top 12 or top five. Same with Justin Blackman, never 12 or, or five. He was the fifth pick in the draft in 2012. So, We can be hyped about these receivers all we want, but it doesn't mean that it's going to translate to the NFL. So you always have to pump the brakes. No matter how much you love CeeDee Lamb, no matter how much you love Jerry Judy, if you get a trade offer for a proven player, you really have to weigh that. Everything should be on the table when you're trying to evaluate prospects because you never know if it translates. You never know what's going to happen. We can think we know what's going to happen, but we don't know what's going to happen all right so here's my conclusion on cd lamb i'm not going to tell you actually i am going to tell you i'm going to tell you who my cluster predicts is going to be good but i'm not going to tell you the ranking that i have them if you want another ranking you're going to have to go to my website rotolounge.com buy the rookie draft guide for five bucks and i will have the receivers ranked in order one that the model says will be at least a top 24 one time in their career and then ranked on how I think you should you should draft them. Now, CeeDee Lamb, I think, is going to be a decent pro. He makes the list, but he barely makes the list. His metrics are so close to being eliminated, but he does make the list. So that has me a little hesitant, but because my cluster predicts the top 24, it's basically telling me unless CeeDee Lamb is a Rashawn Woods, and just completely bust, he's going to hit a top 24 season at least one time. So I'm not going to shy away from his price tag because that's what you're going to have to pay if you want him, Judy, Rager, Mims, and I just named three Big 12 wide receivers. So we might want to pump our brakes on all the Big 12 wide receivers. Just a PSA. But I will not fault you for taking CeeDee Lamb at his price. But if you're on the clock and CeeDee's there, I'm also not going to fault you if your gut tells you that he's going to be a bust. If your gut says, I don't want to draft CeeDee Lamb because I'm not sold, move the pick. Somebody in your league is going to be in love with CeeDee Lamb. They're going to be willing to give you more than he's worth. 2021 is also going to be a stacked wide receiver class. So don't be afraid to add 2021 picks. Rondale Moore, Jamar Chase, there's, there's so many more that are going to be coming out in 2021 that are going to be potential studs as well. So I won't fault you for moving the pick to acquire proven talent over CeeDee Lamb. I want you to know that CeeDee Lamb has the potential to be a top 24 wide receiver in his range of outcomes for his career. So for that, I am advising he's going to be a good pick. Now, let's look at who's made my cluster for the 
2020 rookie class. K.J. Hamler, LaVisca Chenault. This is in no order, by the way. Justin Jefferson, Michael Pittman, Jerry Judy, T. Higgins, Denzel Mims, Tyler Johnson, Brian Edwards, CeeDee Lamb, Jalen Rager, and Marquez Calloway. Who the f*** is Marquez Calloway? I had to dive into his profile because I don't know who he is. But he hit all the criteria needed to be successful, to have one top 24 season. So if he gets drafted within rounds one through three, he's good. If he's drafted outside of rounds one through three, I'm going to have to go back, give a different threshold, and see if he hits those. If you notice, my model did not include Henry Ruggs. My model did not include uh, Gandy Golden. So it does not include some of those players. But when draft capital hits, it's going to change this model dramatically because once I include draft capital, it does change it dramatically. There are a few metrics where I know why they didn't hit. I can override this model by watching the film. I overrid last year. Gary Jennings Jr. was not on my list. He was not in the model, but I drafted him 100%. He was on the verge of making the list. I loved his combine. I loved his film. But so far, he has not panned out. So I'm not going to keep holding him. If he doesn't pan out, I'm just going to concede with the model and say he's not going to work out. He was a fourth-round pick. So again, this isn't 100%, but it's entertainment. It helps me identify who to target. Then film helps me identify the ranking on which I feel are the best values to the lowest values. And this is what we do. I appreciate you coming to the lounge. I appreciate you subscribing to my new YouTube channel. I'm trying to welcome you into the lounge. Back in the cooler here, I got my coronavirus preparedness. It's stacked with canned beer. I got bourbon and liquor on the wall. Please leave me a review. Hit me with DMs if you have any questions. The reason I do this is because I want to help you become better at fantasy football. All right. I'm not saying that I'm 100% right. Maybe something I say will trigger you to do some more research or trigger a player maybe you weren't thinking of or making you think about something that perhaps you weren't thinking of based on either data or based on watching film. This is for fun. I'm a one-man show. I do this all myself. I have a supportive wife. I have two beautiful girls. They let me do this. I have fun. This is when I get to drink my whiskey, talk fantasy football to you. Please subscribe to the podcast. Leave me a review. Subscribe to YouTube. Leave me a review. Follow me on Twitter at Roto Lounge. You can find me on Instagram at Roto underscore Lounge. This is where we talk about the bourbon. I show pictures of the bourbon. This is to all of you. I don't know how many more breakdowns I'm going to do. The month of April, I want to finish the, or the, the rest of this month, I want to finish the, the rookie guide. I want to work on improving the website, rotolounge.com. I have some articles up. I have bourbon articles. I have fantasy articles. I have rankings. I'm just trying to make this experience good for anyone that wants to be a part of it. We are going to be the sophisticated fantasy players. We're going to be, drink the best drinks. Draft the best players, listen to the best music, and we're going to do it together. So I appreciate you coming into the lounge. 
you're more than welcome to come in anytime you want. Hit me up. Let's talk about fantasy football. Let's do it together. If you want to be on the podcast, how about this? You want to be on the podcast, hit me up, DM me. Let's set it up. You have to set up a video so that we can post it on YouTube. We'll talk about football. You tell me what you like. I'll say what I like. You have to drink and you have to be able to talk fantasy football. And we're good. All right. Until next time, this has been Roto Lounge. Roto Lounge.